as followers of Christ, we should be really, we should be distinct from the world. Isn't that right? God has called us, the Lord Jesus has called us, he, he called us out of the world. And because he's called us out of the world that we need to be distinct from the world. We're in the world, but not of it. There should be a certain distinction between those who are believers in Jesus and the world. Again, God has called us. He has set us apart. In fact, the word in the New Testament for the church is a Greek word. It's actually ekklesia. You can break that down into two. The, the two parts of that word are ek and klesia. Ek is out. Klesia is called. And so really what the church is are those people who have been called out of the world. This is, if you're a part of the church, you say, ah, oh, church. Great. That's ekklesia. That's the called out ones. And we've been called out of the world. We've been called and we've been made holy and, and distinct. And Peter kind of goes along this theme in 1 Peter 2, 9. You'll see it up on the screen. He says this to the believers. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into where? Into his marvelous light. So what? What's Peter saying? Number one, he's saying you're a royal, right? You're a royal. You saw Prince Harry and all the rest of them today. Yeah, well, guess what? We're kings and queens in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're his own special people. And he's called us out. He's called us out of darkness into his light. Now, there is a, there's a picture in the Old Testament. This is a New Testament passage. But in the Old Testament, there's a passage uh, in Leviticus. And a lot of people, you know, you say Leviticus. And they're like, no, not Leviticus. Not Leviticus, right? What is Leviticus? Well, there's a lot of good stuff in Leviticus. You just got to know how to kind of make your way through it, all right? When you come to chapter 11, you come to a chapter that deals with the dietary laws Okay, I saw some people laughing, and I'm like, is my fly down or something? Or, okay, is everything okay? Everything cool? Okay, all right. <clears throat> Where was I? Leviticus, right? <laughs> all right, Leviticus chapter 11. It's a chapter that deals with the, the, the dietary laws. And, and there, you know, uh, people have had, I guess, criticism of, of uh, religion and uh, specifically Judaism and, and uh, that because of, you know, these strict dietary laws. But the dietary laws, um, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, so don't worry, don't worry, okay? Um, the dietary laws can teach us a little bit about our walk with the Lord. And one of the things that they were instructed not to eat, well, they were instructed the type of animals that they could eat. They were told specific things that they couldn't eat, but then they were also told that the animals that they could eat. Now, the animals that they could eat had to have two features, two specific, very specific features. One of them is that they had to have a divided foot, a divided hoof, if you will. It, depending upon the uh, translation, it what might say separated or divided, or the, the animal that divides the hoof 
depending upon the translation. Then the other feature that the animal had to have for it to be kosher, I guess, was that it had to chew the cud. Chew the cud. Now, there, there are certain animals that, that actually fall into the criteria of having both of those uh, features, and there are some that don't, okay? And one of them that does, thankfully, is the cow. So you can have a burger, all right? It's okay. <laughs> and, um, and the reason why you can have a burger is because it, the cow has a divided hoof, but it also, uh, the way it eats grass is it actually eats it and then it does this thing where it's, it's actually called chewing the cud. And that's really because I guess a cow has four stomachs and what happens is it chews on some grass for a little while, it goes down into one of the stomachs, and then, you know, it comes back up and they chew on it for a little bit more and then it goes down again and they keeps on coming back up. I guess it's better the second, third, fourth, fifth time. <laughs> You know, and so they keep on chewing that cud. And so an animal that was kosher was an animal that divided the hoof and chewed the cud. And this is a, really a picture for us of the type of people that we need to be as believers. Chewing the cud is an actual metaphor in the Hebrew language for meditation. It's that, act, that idea of meditation. And we are to be people who meditate day and night in the word. We are to be people who take the word in and we're in constant meditation. In other words, we're chewing on the cud. We're digesting. It's coming back up. I don't know how many spiritual stomachs you have, but hopefully you have a bunch so that you can continually bring back up the word and the, 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 the word of God that you're reading, that you're hearing, that you're receiving so that you can meditate on it day and night and so that it will, and, and this is what God said to Joshua. He said, not only to meditate it day and night, he actually explained it to him. He said, meditate in this word, the book of the law, day and night. Let it always be in your mouth, right? And so it's the word of God that we meditate on and that distinguishes, that divides our foot, that separates our walk as we walk with the Lord. And so we're called to be distinct, to have a distinct walk, to have a distinct talk, because we're royals. We're royals in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Tonight in our Bible study, we will learn some important lessons from the story of Genesis 34. It's actually the incident with Dinah, Jacob's daughter. And it's Jacob's daughter by Leah. And there are three lessons to be learned in our distinction, the distinction that we're called to. We're to be distinct and not defiled. We're to be distinct and not compromised. We're to be distinct and not deceitful. So let's pick this up in verse 1 of chapter 34. And we're going to read down to verse 12. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and he lay with her and violated her. And his soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young woman as a wife. 
And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter, and now his sons were with the livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. And then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. But Hamar spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to, to him as a wife, and make marriages with us, and give our daughters to us, and take our daughters to yourselves, so that you shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it, and acquire possessions for yourselves in it. Then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift, and I will give according to what you say to me, but give me the young woman as a wife. We're to be distinct and not defiled as Christians. Here we have a, a story. It's, it's kind of like this almost like this vignette. It's almost like a story that's kind of set out of kind of the, the flow of everything else that's happening. It's kind of like, you know, all this stuff is the trajectory of the book is kind of happening. You had Jacob fleeing from his brother Esau, spending 20 years with Laban, acquiring two wives and children and livestock. Now he's making his way back and coming back into the land that God had promised his grandfather and his father. But now you have this story here in Genesis 34. And Dinah, his daughter by Leah, uh, goes out and mingles with and becomes friends with the Canaanite girls. She puts herself in a vulnerable situation. She's young at the time. Some scholars believe that she was as young as like mid-teens. And so a young woman. And you have some interesting things here going on that, you know, you have no one seemed to stop her. We don't know. Maybe there's some information that we don't have, but we don't have any record of anyone stopping her and, and saying, you know, hey, Dinah, don't put yourself in, in this situation. You're going to, you're going to, it's a vulnerable situation. And, uh. And, and so that's, that's interesting. And, and so we need to be, it's, a, it's kind of a lesson for us as parents, amen, to be involved in the lives of our kids, our teenagers, no matter how old they are. You know, you, you get kids growing up these days and they think that, uh, you know, teenagers of every era have always felt like they got it figured out. They've got it all together. They know how to do everything. And... <laughs> What happens is, here's what happens. In your late teens, you think you got it all figured out. Your 20s are to, to, to show you that you don't know anything. Amen. And 30s, when you get to 30, that's when you can really begin to make it out of, uh, hopefully, the experience of your 20s and begin to build on some real stuff. And so we as Christian parents, we need to... Uh, we need to we need to really encourage our kids and we need to we need to tell them we need to sit them down and just help them realize that there's there's vulnerable situations or situations that they, they they've got to not put themselves in because they, they you don't know what's going to happen in those situations. And uh, and, and here's a situation where she went out to kind of hang out with the Canaanite girls. And the next thing she knows that this guy Shechem 
He takes advantage of her. And he has sex with Dinah. He has sexual intercourse with her. And this was, of course, premarital sex, which was wrong. But the word in the NKJV and the, the KJV and the NIV is defiled. And, and there's actually, there's actually a, a, a connotation in this word that it wasn't, there, there was actually a, some force involved here, too. So that was, it was, he, he took her and he, 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 he took advantage of her. And, uh, and, and this is happening in our culture. This is happening, young ladies. Put, putting themselves in situations, thinking that, yo, well, I, I know how to do it. I know how to do it. No, you don't. No, you don't. And you need to hear the word of the Lord tonight and realize this is some vulnerable situations. We deal, we are dealing with a world out there where there's a tremendous amount of sex trafficking, of, of young women being taken, taken in situations, and we've got to be on guard and, and, and never to be thinking like, oh, well, you know, it, it, it couldn't happen here, it couldn't happen there, it can happen anywhere. And so we need to really be on top of our game when it comes to protecting our children. Uh, so she was taken advantage of. She was defiled in that sense. What happens is when you go out into the world and you're not putting yourself in the proper, you're not putting yourself out there in the proper way, in the godly way, having your, 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 your head about you, kind of keeping, keeping an eye on the situation, guarding yourself, guarding your heart, walking right with the Lord, you can find yourself having been, even though you're called to a life of distinction, you can find yourself in a life where you've been defiled, where you've been taken advantage of, where perhaps even you were complicit in a situation where it was not a godly situation. And of course it says that they had sex and this is something that should not be done. It should not be done. I guess, I guess it needs to be said in 2018 Sexual relationship outside of marriage should not be done, okay? It's, 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 it's God created sex. It's a wonderful thing, and it's been created for a, a place called marriage. And that's where it is uh, a wonderful thing. It's a joy, and um, you, you don't need to be defiled. You don't need to allow yourself to be in that situation. Um, as far as I understand from what I've read, it's not that great anyways. And uh, sex outside of marriage, okay? It's not. I've read the articles. I've read the articles. I've, I've read the, the, you know, anyways, we won't go much further with that, all right? But you get the picture. So you've got this guy Shechem, and he's taking advantage of Dinah, but he, he's kind of smitten with her too, and he wants her. And so he says to his daddy more, he says, I want, I want Dinah as a wife, and I want you to go to her father, Jacob, and, and just try to work this thing out. So they go, and they go to meet with Jacob, and of course, Jacob comes in, and, and then the, all, the, all the, Jacob, the rest of Jacob's sons, the rest of the family hears about what's happened, and everyone's just distraught over the situation. Everyone's just distraught. And so Hamar comes in and tries to, to kind of talk through the situation and says, look, my son, 
he, he, he wants your daughter, he, he's, he's willing to do whatever, he, you know, you ask him to, whatever needs to be done. And so Hamar actually suggests that they dwell together and they mix together, that they actually have, that they, uh, you know, give our daughter, we'll give your, you our daughters for your sons and, and you give our, uh, your daughters to us and, and we'll, we'll dwell together, we'll, we'll, we'll marry and, and, and we'll just kind of live in the land together. And, uh, and of course, you know, it, it needs to be said here too that, um, you know, this, 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 this wasn't a cool situation. It, 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 and because God has, has, has started a thing where, you know, he, he didn't want his people that he called to, to be mixed up with the world. He wanted them distinct. And that's why when Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans, he's called out of Babylon. He's called out of pagan Babylon. And then he, he finally has a son and he's, he says, okay, we're not going to let Isaac go and take a wife from the people of the Canaanites. We're not going to, we've been called out of, from the people of the world. We're going to be separate. God is separate. He's chosen us out from the world. And so... What did he do? Remember, he sent his servant, Eleazar, back to his, his family, his people, to find Isaac a wife. And that's where Rebekah was found. And Rebekah was brought back and a wife for Isaac. And then, of course, Isaac and Rebekah had the twins, Jacob and Esau. And Esau, we're told in the text, as we've read it in Genesis, what did he do? He went out and married these foreign women. He went out and married wives of the Canaanites and the, and, and the other ites, right? And remember what it said in that text as we read that passage? That it grieved Rebecca. That it, was a grie it, it, it grieved her heart. Because this, 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 it, it doesn't work. It's not good for the people of God to be unequally yoked with the world. And the reason why is it, I have to come back to that verse that I read in the opening. What was it? That he's called you out of darkness into his glorious light. And the way Paul put it is this, what does light have to do with darkness? What commonality does light have with darkness? None. We don't have a commonality. You have a commonality with the people of God. And that's Yes. Basically, the idea of the fellowship of the believers, right? It's the idea of koinonia. You need to be in the fellowship, and you need to find somebody in the fellowship. And the fellowship is not just a local church. A local church is just kind of an outpost of the fellowship, the community of believers across the earth. Because there's only one church, amen? Yes. There's one church. There's one bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. There's not many. Well, you, well, what about the Baptists and the Methodists? And this, and the Lutherans, and the Presbyterians. There's one church. There's one body of Christ. And that's why we've got to be very careful when it comes to this. So, you know, what do we have in common with, with darkness? We've got to realize that we don't have, we shouldn't have anything in common with with darkness. So Shechem spoke to Jacob and his sons, and he offered them whatever price that they would ask for Dinah's hand in marriage. You know, what, name your price, your dowry price, right? It's called a bride price. In the, in the ancient Hebrew wedding, you had the, the dowry, the bride price. 
Whatever the price is, Jacob, name it. We'll do it. Now, Jacob could have said, well, okay. This situation could be lucrative. Sometimes entering into defilement, might, there might be the, the appearance or the, 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 the enticement of a lucrative situation. And we've got to remember that that's as, as, as lucrative or whatever as it could be. It's, it's not what God has called his people to. But moving on, let's move on in the story. Distinct, not compromise. Let's pick it back up. Verse 13. It says this, but the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father, and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. And they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you. If you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters to us and we will dwell with you and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughters and be gone. And their words pleased Hamar and Shechem, Hamar's son. And so the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in his daughter, in Jacob's daughter. And he was more honorable than all of his household of his father. And Hamor and Shechem and his son came to the gate of their city. And they spoke with the men of the city saying, these men are at peace with us and therefore let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For indeed the land is large enough for them. And let us take their daughters to us as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men consent to dwell with us, to be one people. If every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised and will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours. Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of the city heeded Hamor and Shechem, his son, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. The sons of Jacob present a condition. They say, okay, you know, here's the thing. We're, we, we, you know, name your price. We want to dwell with you. We want to give our daughters to you. And we want, you know, you give our, your daughters to us. We'll mix. We'll become one people. There's the land is big enough. Look at, you know, there's, 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 there's opportunity for you here. It's a whole deal. It's a whole presentation of a deal. And the sons of Jacob present a, a condition on which they will allow the marriage and the dwelling together and the subsequent intermarrying. They wanted all the men uh, to be circumcised. Of course, they were circumcised as, as their father Abraham was circumcised and Isaac. And, 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 and that, that sign of circumcision was in them. They, they had been circumcised. The circumcision was a sign that they had received of the covenant that they had with God. It was a sign in their flesh that made them distinct from the rest of the world. In, in the New Testament, we, you know, the theme of circumcision is picked up. You know, when you, whenever you talk about circumcision, there's a few places, if you teach through the Bible, every now and then you have to bring up circumcision, okay? You have to talk about circumcision. What is circumcision? It was a cutting away of the flesh, okay, without getting too graphic, 
all right? It was a cutting away of the flesh. And what it is is a picture. It's a, it's a sign in the flesh to, to show us the picture of the distinction that we have in the spirit, that the flesh has been cut away and that we are spiritual people. This is what it means to be a Christian. You see, if, you're, if, if a person's not a Christian, they're not a spiritual person. They're actually, Paul would argue that they're a carnal person. They're not a spiritual person. And so to be a Christian is to be a spiritual person. And it happens with, with the, the circumcision of the heart, with a true cutting away of the flesh, a, a kind of giving oneself to the Lord and, and allowing yourself to be born again. What's that? Born from above, born by the will of the Father in heaven, born into the kingdom, born into the spirit. Jesus said, if you're not born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. You won't see the kingdom of heaven. How's that? Unless you're born into the spirit. You've been born in the flesh. Good job. You say, well, I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice to be born. No, you didn't. It was someone else's choice. In fact, that's what, that's what John talks about when he talks about us being children of God. That we're not children of God by the decision of a man and a woman who came together one night. We're people of God because of the will of the Father and that he has brought us into the kingdom in a new birth and, 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 and that spiritual life coming and that flesh being cut away. And it really is a cutting away. It's a circumcision of the heart. And we need it. We need it. We need it so desperately. I think probably if you look at Christians that struggle with just being so in the flesh and thinking so much in the flesh and you have to kind of look and say, look, is there, is there a real circumcision of the heart? Has the, have you allowed the Lord to, to do that circumcision of your flesh? A cutting away of the flesh. It's a beautiful thing. The life in the spirit of the believer. It's an incredible thing. So, Hamar and Shechem, um, you know, had... Well, they agreed to this whole thing. They said, okay, we'll be circumcised. We'll be circumcised. And so they go back. They go back to meet with the men of their city and to tell them about this condition by which they would dwell in Jacob's household. And their hearts, the true thing that's in their heart is revealed in verse 23. Look at it. In verse 23, it says, will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent to them and they will dwell with us. So you could see that they had kind of this motive, this motivation. It's like they had an ulterior motive. Look, look at them. All their stuff will be ours. We'll be one people. We'll, we'll, we'll get their stuff. Many people get into compromising situations and relationships because they're not really looking at it. They don't really know. They, they see it maybe how they're looking at it. You know, it'd be great if these people would be circumcised in their heart. Now, don't you know certain people can do things 
deceitfully. They can do things just as a matter of kind of doing it, not really meaning it, just going through the motions. That's what people do. That's what people, people do this. And so, you, so, so someone, you have a Christian who's going into this situation and they're looking at it from, you know, hey, yeah, this will be great. And if they'll do this, if they'll, if they'll show that, that sign of spirituality, then this could be a great thing. They don't know how the other person is looking at it and that there's this other motivation, this other motivation. The other party does not have the heart of the Lord. They are looking at the situation from what they want, how they see it, not from a godly perspective. I, I've seen this. I've seen this in relationships. I've seen this. I've been in the ministry 25 years. I've seen this in relationships. I've had to do. I mean, I, if, if, if you're if you're around in the ministry for longer than a week, <laughs> then you're going to have to do some hard things. And that's why there's an admonition in the scripture about, hey, if you want to be a, if you want to be a pastor, that's great. That's a, good, that's a good thing. It's a good desire to have. But be careful for a couple of reasons, because there's some tough things that you're going to have to do, and there's another layer of accountability and, a, and really a kind of a higher level of judgment. This is found in the book of James. So you can take it into consideration. But... I've, I've sat with couples. I, 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 I just shared this one briefly because it's an example of what we're talking about. I had a, I had a, a, a lady in the church, in her church in Orlando and her and her kids, she came, she was uh, divorced. She had a, f- a couple of kids and, and they came and they were faithful and they came and, and then she met up with this guy and, and, and the guy kept coming around. She w- she would drag him to church and, uh, and he was a nice guy. You know, he was a nice guy. And, but I had known a little bit about this guy. I got to know where he was coming from. And bottom line was, he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't in the kingdom. He was around the church. He attended the services. He sat there in the chairs. He drank coffee in the cafe. He knew the people. But he wasn't in the kingdom. He wasn't in the kingdom. And then there came that day that they asked to come over to the house to meet with Mary Jo and I. We sat down at the table and said, we want to get married. And, uh, you know, we want you to, want you to do the service. And I, I sat there and I said, now, well, inside, I'm thinking, okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. This isn't going to be, this isn't good. Now, as a pastor, I don't ever presume to tell someone, I, 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 I don't, I'm going to give you the counsel of the word, but I can't make decisions for you. I can simply say, here's what you need to do according to the word of God. And this is what I told him. I said, look, there's some situations in this relationship that have to be, that would need to be worked out before I would recommend that you guys get married. 
I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's not ever possible. I'm not saying that, 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 that in the future that that couldn't be a possibility. But right now, and when I have to say tough things to people as pastor, I, I came up with this thing. I, I said, look, I wouldn't be worth anything as a pastor if I wasn't telling you exactly what I'm telling you right now. I would be worth nothing as a man of God representing God and his word. And so you should be thankful. <laughs> you should be thankful that what, what I'm telling you right now. Unfortunately, they went out, found somebody else to marry him, got married, and they're, they're no longer together. They're divorced. And the whole thing played out exactly as you would have suspected and seen because one person was looking at it in a certain way and the other person was looking at it with an ulterior motive. And that's what we've got going on here. And uh, if, it, if, if, if a relationship is not starting off in a healthy way, it's very hard, let me say it that way, it's not impossible <laughs> to get it back into a healthy way, but it's very hard. And that's why you want to be very careful, especially young people here. You're looking to get into a relationship. Make sure it's on healthy, solid ground from the beginning. Amen? Amen. So let's finish this up. Distinct, not deceitful. Let's go back to... Um, Verse 25. Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain, and the two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamar and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword, and they took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. And they took their sheep and their oxen and their donkeys, what was in the city and what was in the field, and all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, and they took them captive, and they plundered even all that was in the houses. And then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather together themselves against me and kill me, and I shall be destroyed, my household and I. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? Hey, you know what? This is a tough situation. You know, when you, what, what happens is when you go off into that the whole thing, it's tough to sort it out. There are situations that I have actually looked at and counseled people that were such a tangled web of, like, this thing was so bad from the beginning and went worse that it's a tangled web of mess that I don't know who could, there's only one person that could untangle this. And there's only one solution if both of you get down on your hands and knees and repent before God right. of your sins and say, we want to straighten this out. We want to get right with Jesus. Anything short of that, it's not going to happen. 
And, 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 and I've seen it. And it's tough. This is a tough situation. So the text tells us on the third day, the third day from what? The third day from the men, the Canaanite men, having gone through the surgery of circumcision. Now, when you, when you, have, a, when you have a baby circumcised, you know, according to the Hebrew law, the baby, the male child would be circumcised on the eighth day, right? It's a, the eighth day is the beginning of the new week. It's a new beginning, right? You have the seven days of the week, and then the eighth day is the new beginning. And so on the eighth day, the day of new beginning, was the day that the flesh would be cut away. Because it's a, it's a new day, it's, a, it's that new birth. It's a, that's what it's a picture of. And so that's when it would happen. Nowadays, it's usually, you know, if you have a male child circumcised, it's usually, and it's not a Hebrew situation, it's just a, it's just a clinical circumcision. It's usually like on the second or third day. And when you circumcise a, an infant, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a cry and there's a little, you know, a little bit of pain, but for the most part, not a bad situation. It's not terrible. You know, I know there are people out there that make this bit, oh, putting, it's, it's, it's really, it's not bad. A grown man, on the other hand, is a completely different situation. It's a different situation. Okay? And so you have these grown men that are circumcised, and on the third day of this recovery, which is like not very deep into the recovery, Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, the, third, the second and the third born. You had Reuben, the firstborn. You had Simeon and Levi, and then Judah, all four born of Leah, right? Number two and number three, Simeon and Levi. They go in on the third day. They go in with knives, and they kill all these men. And it wasn't too hard because they were all just really incapacitated. And they took Dinah, their sister, out of there. All the sons of Jacob plundered the city, and they did this because their sister had been defiled. Now, Simeon and Levi were deceitful in, how, in what they did, and we should never be deceitful in what we do. We need to do what's right. And for this reason, Simeon and Levi are rebuked about this again and again. At the end of this passage, we just read it, that Jacob said, look what you've done. Now, there's some commentators that kind of rebuke Jacob for this, rebuke, because all he's worried about is his standing in the land. And he's not really, you know, you know they, there's some commentators that commentated, look, look, you know, Jacob should be worried about more than just his standing in the land. He should be worried about what's going on here in the greater picture. Take that for what it's worth, but you have Simeon and Levi that are rebuked, not only at the end of this passage in Genesis 34, but if you get to the end of the book in Genesis 49, and Jacob is dying, and when Jacob is dying, he calls all of his sons, all the 12 sons, and he calls all of them into the room, and he's going to bless them. And when he gets to Simeon and Levi, look at this prophecy that he prophesies over Simeon and Levi. I'll have it on the screen. Genesis 49 
verses 5 through 7. Pick it up, verse 5. It says this, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. And I will divide them in Jacob, and I will scatter them in Israel. And so this prophecy came true, although there was a slight redemption for the, for the, for the tribe of Levi. But, they, but Simeon was scattered amongst the tribes in the, in the area of Judea. And Levi partially redeemed themselves <laughs> when Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. We're fast forwarding a few hundred years here. Moses is bringing the people out of Egypt. And remember that when Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God. And he was up there for like 40 days. And what happened during the 40 days, the people began to say, well, what happened? Moses, you know, he brings us out of here and he brings us out here to this mountain. And we're just out here. And where is he? Is he gone? You know, he's just vanished. He's gone. So what did they do? They made themselves the golden calf. They went back to the idolatry, the paganism of, 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 of what they had had in Egypt, and they worshiped this golden calf. And when Moses comes down the mountain, he sees them worshiping this golden calf, and it was pagan worship, and it involved all kinds of crazy stuff, sexual immorality, and all of it. And it was the tribe of Levi on that occasion that stood with Moses and brought forth the judgment of the Lord on those that had defiled themselves in the worship of the golden calf. And for that reason, they were partially, their, their situation was redeemed and they were selected as the tribe that would become the priests in Israel, but they still were also scattered among Israel because they did not have a portion of an inheritance. They, they did not, the tribe of Levi did not have a land inheritance. They got spread out throughout the entire land. And so you see what has happened, what progresses with Simeon and Levi. Now, to their defense, they did have a point there at the end. They said, should they treat our sister like a harlot, like a prostitute? So they were, they were defending what was right they did stand up for their sister and the distinction from God that they had. What ends up happening is when you allow yourself to become involved in situations that are defiled, you, you have to find, you have to allow God, you have to run back to God. And allow God to bring his restoration, his forgiveness, his redemption to the situation. Because a lot of times, depending upon what the situation is and how bad it is, there's, there's things that only God can do. There's things that only God, restoration that God can do in a situation. And you've got to do that. And what I want to leave you tonight with is this, is that, you know, God has called us to be separate. He's called us to be holy. He's called us to be distinct in our walk, in our talk, in our, in our way, in our life. And, 
And that comes through being people of the word, being people who hear the word, listen to the word, meditate in the word day and night, and that let the word be in your mouth day and night. And so let that be a word of admonition to us tonight and a word of encouragement um, because God does have a great plan for us and, that we, and we have been called out of darkness.